Is it just me or should Governor Andrew Cuomo, who I have been covering critically since the dawn of time, uh, when does corruption mean you must resign? Is it only when Republicans do corrupt things that the corporate media starts howling? Jake Tapper and CNN are finally waking up, finally waking up to uh, the utter corruption of Governor Andrew Cuomo after, after they slobbered all over him for a year. This, you know, I'm not saying that Governor Andrew Cuomo during the early days of the pandemic where New York was the epicenter, uh, that Governor Andrew Cuomo we, network shouldn't have aired the press conferences in full. I know my wife and I watched the press conferences. Uh, I mean, he was the governor of the state that was the ground zero for this in the United Corporations of America. But if you watched CNN's coverage, MSNBC's coverage, oh my God, Rachel Maddow, you remember when she was slobbering? Oh, it's like we have two presidents, President Trump and President Cuomo. Uh, Then there was the infamous, you know, Chris Cuomo having his brother Andrew on, uh, I think once a week. I mean, that's, sorry, Sorry to be crass, but, you know, handing out sexual favors to his brother on national television. All of this slobbering coverage while, you know, independent media, including myself, were saying, uh, something don't smell right here. Something don't smell right. You got this nursing home situation where Cuomo is literally sending old people, no offense to older people watching, I mean, Andrew Cuomo in the early days of this pandemic is the definition of manufacturing consent. They built this man up to be Jesus of Nazareth, okay? While he was sending thousands of old people still sick who had coronavirus back to their nursing homes. He claimed, oh, I was just following federal regulations or federal guidelines. Uh, I looked at the federal guidelines. Yeah, the federal guidelines did not say send old people who were just hospitalized with COVID back when we genuinely don't know how long are they contagious. Every person is different. There was no way to know. But he said we had to move them out back to the nursing homes uh, basically to increase hospital capacity. Well, why didn't you send them to the boats? Trump, one of the few good things he did was send in those ships to New York Harbor that could have been used as hospital uh, beds and rooms. That's what they sent them there for. Central Park opened up medevacs and meta, uh, whole, seri- whole uh, rows of medical tents for more patients. It's easy for a YouTube host, a journalist, whomever, to criticize governors, mayors, or whomever in chaotic life-or-death situations. I don't even think Cuomo's biggest crime here is the actual error, the major, major error in sending these people back to the nursing homes. It's a disastrous decision, 100%. He deserves to be dragged. Um, He deserves to be dragged till the cows come home for it. It should definitely stain his legacy. But the bottom line is, you know, Governors, mayors, executives make make mistakes all the time. I think of the Flint water crisis, for example. Imagine for a second if Governor Rick Snyder, who was just recently charged with a misdemeanor, a misdemeanor, 
working on another story on that. Stay tuned. Imagine if Governor Andrew Cuomo, uh, Governor Rick Snyder at the time in Michigan, you know, when the complaints started fl- flooding in from Flint residents, uh, I got rashes. Uh, I'm, we're losing hair. Uh, my children are sick. Uh, our water's brown. Uh, our water smells. People were having hair loss, rashes, nosebleeds, a whole nine. Imagine if at that time he said, I got to, I got to, uh, you know, un, uh, abort, abort. We're moving Flint off of the Flint River. We made a mistake here and we're going to correct it. Would he have a, you know, a strike on his record? Yeah. Would he years later probably a bit, probably have been applauded? for quickly fixing the disastrous error? Yeah, he would have. Doesn't erase that you made the uh, disastrous error, but at least you admit you made the error and you move on. The cover-up, the cover-up in Flint is way, way worse than the original crime. And that's what's going on right here. And to me, this is as much, this is in one part a story about just straight up corruption. And let's just be clear for a second here. Let's be 100% clear, okay? If this was Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, Republican South Carolina Governor, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, name your Republican governor. The corporate media would be light, uh, pants on fire, 24-7, 24-7 ranting and raving about this. But it's Andrew Cuomo who they slobbered over in press conferences, who Rachel Maddow said, oh, thank God. Thank God we have two presidents. Thank God for Andrew Cuomo. Uh, this tweet from Bakari Sellers, another neoliberal hack, didn't really age too well, did it now? Y'all almost had Cynthia Nixon. This is why experience matters. Well, I was living in New York at the time when COVID started. Here's what experience did. Andrew Cuomo had the power to shut down the subways early. Didn't do it. Shut down buses. Didn't do it. Actually do a real stay-at-home order. Even when there was a stay-at-home order, there was still people gallivanting around in Central Park in New York City. And New York City was ground zero for the spread because it's so dense. So it was very clear from the beginning, other than his wonderful theatrical, wonderful performance at press conferences, and neoliberalism is all about performance, doesn't matter what your policies are, doesn't matter that you're bought off by the hospital industry, the for-profit healthcare industry, as long as you look good, as long as you sound very progressive, as long as you seem like you're in command, you're a hero. I mean, for God's sakes, the man won an Emmy Award. Andrew Cuomo won an Emmy for his coronavirus press conferences. You don't think part of that was... CNN, his brother Andrew, his brother Chris, Chris Cuomo, having him on for slobbering, slobbering coverage. I mean, let's show you the infamous. Let's show you the infamous nasal swab. Before we go to break, where you wanted to encourage people to get tested and some people are afraid it's going to hurt. So you had video of it that I want to show the audience of you actually getting tested. Um, here it is. There's you. You were kind of funny and they were testing you. Um, Now, a few questions about this process. First of all, 
Is it true that when you were having the test administered, you inhaled and the doctor's finger went all the way up your nose and got stuck and had to be released with a tool? Is that true? Just to, just to deal no, with the record. She, she, she wanted to comment that I have a little button nose mm. and she was afraid that the swab would actually hurt because it, it extended my uh, nasal cavity. The proboscis uh, issue. She's speaking about the delicacy of, of, the, nose. of the nose. Yes. And that's what, you know what, I understand. This is the normal swab I'm holding up here now for everybody at home. A very valuable object. There's only one company in the entire country that makes these up in Maine. All right, here's the swab. Is it true that this was the swab that the nurse was actually using on you and that at first... It went into your nose and disappeared so that in scale, this was the actual swab that was being used to fit up that double barrel shotgun that you have mounted on the front of your pretty face. So this, uh, what do you call it, nasal swab theater was going on, was going on, by the way as Cuomo was sending old people to their deaths in nursing homes. And again, you want to know something? You could say, you could say, hey, bad decision. Bad decision, made a mistake. You could say that. But, you know, a lot of people make bad decisions. A lot of government officials make bad decisions. But while you're making those bad decisions, which, by the way, there were some people in the media covering it. There was an assemblyman, Ron Kim, talking about it and asking questions and asking the Cuomo, Cuomo administration for information. CNN was slobbering over him. That's beyond a conflict of interest. That's a fireable offense. You have a primetime anchor basically slobbering all over his brother to help cover up his poor decisions, his deadly decisions as governor. Let's get after it, Chris Cuomo says. And again, it's not the fact that Cuomo made the mistake, which happens in government. It's the cover-up of the problems. It's the select, uh, the cover-up of the disastrous decision. It's the corporate media double standard. And I'm not, you know, don't cry me any crocodile tears for Republicans. But Andrew Cuomo is one of them. It's all one big revolving door. Uh, Andrew Cuomo is, you know, the liberal darling of New York, even though he's a corporate servant. He's bought off by Wall Street. He's bought off by the fossil fuel companies. He's bought off by big pharma. He's bought off by big real estate, bought off by Silicon Valley. We can go down the list. Bought off like Joe Biden's bought off, but gives a good press conference. But where's the LGBT button, you know, against, you know, against uh, loves, love Trump's hate. So on the policies, He's a servant of corp corporate America, but puts that flowery language that the resistance loves. I mean, this is beyond a cover-up. I want to show you, you got the obvious news that recently came out. The Cuomo administration delayed data on nursing home deaths over fear it was going to be used against us. His top aide, Melissa DeRosa was caught on audio saying basically we froze because when we were in a position, when, because 
we were in a position where we weren't sure if what we were going to give the Department of Justice or what we give to you guys and what we start saying was going to be used against us. And we weren't sure if there was going to be an investigation. That played a very large role into this. This is literally Cuomo's top advisor saying we covered it up because we were afraid of getting caught. We were afraid of getting caught, so we covered it up. And by the way, they covered up 50% more deaths. What was reported was about 8,500. They covered up 50% more. It was really closer to 15,000 died in those nursing homes. Again, it's a pandemic. It's chaotic. Cuomo, others didn't have all the information. They're not experts. They're supposed to listen to the experts, but the experts didn't know everything. So it's not the biggest crime here is not that he made a mistake. It's not owning up to it and not immediately changing your policy so that it doesn't happen again. But to me, what's going to happen here? Do you think Andrew Cuomo is going to resign? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, the FBI is suddenly investigating. U.S. attorney is investigating. But do you really think Andrew Cuomo, a darling of the Democratic Party, a darling of Wall Street, gotten more money from Wall Street, possibly only behind Chuck Schumer in New York, you think he's going to be held accountable? By the way, I want to show you a clip from an interview I did earlier. Uh, Actually, no, let me show you first, because the second part to this story is Cuomo just straight up acted like a thug when New York Assemblyman Ron Kim uh, start. He he's Ron Kim has been sounding the alarm since spring. He's been one of the only people sounding the alarm on this scandal. Let me show you Assemblyman Ron Kim, who represents Queens, who, by the way, lost an uncle in a nursing home uh, during coronavirus. Let me show you what he told me back in May. Before the, we reached the peak of the pandemic, seeking a blanket get out of jail free car status. Uh, We're proposing a bill now uh, because essentially snuck in the budget months ago was blanket liability shield for those nursing home executives. Can you kind of talk about why that happened and what the bill you're proposing is aiming to do? Well, the industry came to the governor very early on, even before we reached the peak of the pandemic, seeking a blanket get out of jail free car status. Uh, for nursing homes, for hospitals, any any type of medical facilities that treat not just COVID, but all non-COVID illnesses. And they made it go retroactive uh, into March. So for March, if you were to a hospital uh, to just get a basic treatment for anything, for a medical checkup, for treating a, a sprained ankle, whatever, something bad happens to you or happened to you, uh, you don't have any legal recourse. And they, so they took away people's rights retroactively. And, but another way of looking at this is instead of centering the solutions around the needs and talking to the most vulnerable families and, and populations and designing a solution that way, they went to protect their bottom lines instead of protecting people's lives. And, and I get it, you know, like people were panicking. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to prevent this. And one could surmise that, hey, you know, you have to go to the doctors and hospitals because they're the ones that are going to be treating this and give them um, a chance to figure out what to do. But a blanket 
you know, corporate immunity for not just the workers, but for the businesses, for the investors, you know, for the board members. It, it was so broad by nature that, you know, as soon as we found out, I introduced the bill to repeal it because I understood the way that I read this and after doing the research, it actually disincentivizes places like nursing homes from investing more to prevent the deaths of, of our loved ones. Kim was a lone wolf in the wilderness. He was one of the only, other than the Republicans, he's a Democrat. He was one of the only figures in New York actually publicly challenging Governor Cuomo, who, like Trump, like Chris Christie when he was governor, like a lot of these governors who act like mafia bosses, he didn't like it. You're not supposed to publicly bite the hand that feeds you, which is Cuomo. But Kim, with me and others who would interview him, was saying, uh, this, is, this is corrupt. He literally, it, he literally is giving corporate liability to nursing home executives and then sending these old people there and the nursing homes aren't putting all the proper uh, pr um, protective um, measures in there. And then they're getting a complete get out of jail free card from the governor who gets ton of donations from those executives. Uh, corrupt is an understatement. Corrupt is an absolute understatement. So Ron Kim, who was fighting the governor on this, let me show you one more clip. Uh, mentioned he hired McKinsey, which came up during Pete Buttigieg's campaign, known for just writing reports, figuring out how to help companies do more with less, lay off workers. Uh, what are some things Cuomo's doing that people might not know that essentially seems like further corporatization of New York State. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit up on all those critical points in his, in his response uh, to the pandemic. He's prioritizing, once again, the interest of mega corporations, um, giants, you know, companies and CEOs. And it's, it, it is this quintessential neoliberal philosophy of looking at solutions. It has to be market driven. We need to protect the markets and the market efficiency will guide us out of everything. I mean, I think that's just, this, that's just the philosophy and the, and, the, and the world and education that he came out of. And, and there's a lot of other leaders in positions of power who also fall in the same category. But we all know that everything is about, you know, so, you know finding a new economy that retains value for the poorest people in our communities. That is real economic development. It's not about just growth at all costs. You know, it's not about expanding the economy when we know that the discrepancy of the richest and, and the poor are constantly getting wider and wider every single day. While Cuomo was giving blanket liability to the hospital executive, uh, the nursing home executives who were gladly taking these sick old people back before they died, he was also hiring McKinsey, you know, Pete Buttigieg's alma mater, to reimagine New York post-pandemic. Oh, he was also writing a book on leadership, how New York beat the, co beat the coronavirus, while also going on his brother's show to get, you know, SNL skits about nasal swabs going up his nose. All of this is the neoliberal fail-upward system that we live in. It is aided by corporate stenographers pretending to be journalists like Chris Cuomo, 
like Rachel Maddow, like Wolf Blitzer, like Andy Cooper, and the rest of them. It was very obvious to anyone paying attention, whether you lived in New York or not, that Cuomo was making real-time decisions that were accelerating the death count. Of course, of course, there was going to be a lot of death in New York and other places. That's just a matter of it's a pandemic. We don't have all the answers. There was no vaccine. You know, you can't blame him for every death. But the fact of the matter is, this man should resign. And he should resign, especially since now he is like a mafia boss, like a mafia boss going after his enemies. This is the same Ron Kim that I just showed you I interviewed. Cuomo, according to Kim, I believe him. You should too. Cuomo called him very angry, very angry that Kim, along with several other New York Senate, uh, New York Democrats, uh, called for an investigation of Cuomo after uh, the audio of his top advisor came out saying, we froze. We didn't report the real data. We didn't report the real death count because we were afraid of being investigated. Well, Cuomo, according to Kim, gave him a little phone call two nights ago. Let's hear what the governor uh, demanded of Assemblyman Kim. But please tell me about this call with the governor. Good to see you, Aaron. Uh, This happened last Thursday evening around 8 o'clock after news broke that his top aide, um, his top aide had um, lied about uh, hiding data uh, information from the federal government for political reasons. She she admitted to that in a private meeting and it was exposed. And the governor called uh, for about 10 minutes, it seemed like one hour, berating, yelling and threatening that I have to issue a statement um, to that, that invalidated what I heard. Um, he asked me to lie to cover up uh, for his staff. And this was done in front of my family. Now he called me, my wife was next right next to me. I was you know, right about to bathe my kids. Um, and it really just put you know, my family and my, and my wife um, into shock uh, and trauma for many hours. And she couldn't get any sleep that night. Um, and it's highly inappropriate you know, for the governor to have so done he said, that. So he, you know, he said he can destroy you? I mean, he literally said that? And, and what else? He said, I haven't seen his anger. I haven't seen his wrath. And he will, um, you know, just tell me uh, he, he will go out and he's been biting his tongue, but he will go out tomorrow and destroy my political career, uh, my, you know, everything. Like he would say how bad of a person I am to everyone in public. Um, but it was just a yelling. And at one point he, he said, and he asked me if I was a lawyer. Um, and I said, no. And I said, you obviously then don't understand what you heard. And this is what you heard. And this is what you're going to say. This is what you're going to write tonight and, and issue a statement, not tomorrow, tonight. That's how we will move forward. Uh, those wow. are his words. Um, okay. And, 
Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I, it's, look, it's it's stunning. It's stunning. I mean, so let me just give everyone a chance to understand. As you know, uh, they're pushing back on this. Cuomo's senior advisor just put out a statement tonight, Assemblyman Kim, and it says in part, Mr. Kim is lying about his conversation with Governor Cuomo Thursday night. I know because I was one of the three other people in the room when the phone call occurred, obviously on the governor's side. At no time did anyone threaten to, quote, destroy anyone with their, quote, wrath, nor engage in a cover-up. That's beyond the pale and is unfortunately part of a years-long pattern of lies by Mr. Kim against this administration. And then they put out a rush transcript of comments you made during the Zoom call with Cuomo's aide. They say they don't align with what you're saying now. What's your response to them? They're calling you a liar. Well, I think uh, Governor Cuomo is very good at implicating um, his aides, and he's been trying to implicate me. Uh, they did implicate us in that private meeting when his secretary, Melissa DeRosa, admitted to obstruction of justice, of hiding uh, information in fear that it would be weaponized against the administration, in fear that we will go back and legislate and repeal legal immunity, the stuff that you and I have been talking about for months now, yep. in fear that we would undo all the policies. That's why they cover up the data, and she admitted it. She said, you want the truth this is the truth and she said that she hid that information that was what the governor did and because i called out because i refused to lie for them now they get to threaten my 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 career my wife and made my wife you know in tears all night my wife you know you know that night was very very uh troubling because we couldn't sleep and and she's telling me uh, what did you do to us? Stop what you're doing, please. Um, she was, she she feared uh, for 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 my future, for my life. Um, that's the kind of shock um, that this governor gave to my family. So let me get something straight. Let me get something straight here. We're supposed to believe the governor, whose top advisor was just caught on tape saying we froze, we intentionally didn't release over 5,000 more people dead in the nursing homes because of us, because we were afraid of getting investigated. So we're supposed to believe that guy whose top aide just admitted uh, we covered it up and her voice is on tape saying uh, we covered it up for fear of an investigation. We're supposed to believe that Kim, the progressive, you know, guy who just wants Medicare for all uh, for people, guy who just wants student loan debt to be canceled, guy who just wants a Green New Deal. We're supposed to believe that Kim is lying and the governor is, you know, just salt of the earth telling the truth. Give me a break. Obviously, he is the political version of Tony Soprano. May Tony rest in peace. James Gandolfini. And obviously, it is not enough to have some critical coverage. This man needs to resign, period. I don't care if he's a Democrat. I don't care if he's a Republican. I don't care if he's a marshmallow. He, him and his administration covered up disastrous decisions that ended up being deadly that they committed. You could say, all right, I don't like his policies, but it was a pandemic. You know, nobody knew everything. We made a mistake. Fine. But then you withhold the data, which, by the way, is a federal crime. It is a federal crime. You withhold the data. Now you're threatening like a thug. People who don't, you know, bow down to you. Don't go like ducks in a row and defend you. Chris Cuomo 
Finally, CNN says, no, no, now we can't. Now we can't interview his brother. We're not allowing it. Well, the damage is done. Joe Biden does his little town hall the other night. There were some things, you know, benefit of the doubt. I thought were decent. I thought his answers on the vaccine distribution and all that business was good. Uh, He's certainly doing a more competent job than President Trump did. So on vaccine distribution, on the vaccine, on the communication about vaccines, they're now having a daily virtual press, uh, virtual press conference with Fauci and others. For that, I don't have any complaints. Very good. But the rest of his town hall. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Let's start with the first ridiculous thing. Um, I want to introduce you to uh, Kerry Ingebrecht, an independent from Oak Creek. Kerry, welcome. Go ahead. Thank you. Kerry, how are you? Very good. Thank you. Our 19-year-old son was diagnosed with pediatric COPD at the age of 14. We're told he has the lungs of a 60-year-old. He does all he can to protect himself. Last month, he even removed himself from the campus of UW-Madison as he feels it's safer and he has less exposure here at home. We've tried all we can to get him a vaccine. I hear of others who are less vulnerable getting it based on far less. Do you have a plan to vaccinate those who are most vulnerable sooner to give them a priority? Well, the answer is yes, there are. But here's how it works. The states make the decisions on who is in what order. I can make recommendations, and for federal programs, I can do that as President of the United States. But I can't tell the state, you must move such and such a group of people up. But here's what I'd like to do. If you're willing, I'll stay around after this is over, and maybe we can talk a few minutes and see if I can get you some help. Ain't that neoliberalism? Ain't that neoliberalism? So, again, oh, Mr. Empathy. Oh, he has such empathy. We got to restore the soul of America. Oh, maybe, you know, maybe if you could stay after, maybe I could help you a little bit. Maybe we could make a, maybe we could have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now, on the surface, you might say, Jordan, what's the problem? He's being kind to this woman. Her son has COPD. He should get expedited uh, an expedited vaccination. He should be higher on the list. What's the issue with Biden saying that? Because this is the story of the United Corporations of America. He puts out platitudes. He says, well, I can't do anything. I'm just the president of the United States. It's the states who decide. It's the states that decide. Yeah, I think the federal government could do a little more to dictate who gets priority and who doesn't. But putting that aside, uh, but I'll, can, can we talk after, ma'am? The audience claps. Oh, he's my hero. Joe's my hero. As he's funneling money from for-profit health care, as he's funneling money from uh, Big Pharma, as he's refusing, refusing to provide Medicare for all during the deadliest pandemic in a century. Oh, but he's so empathetic to this poor woman whose kid has COPD. Give me a break. Give me a break. Here's the United Corporations flag. Are you kidding me? Again, on the surface, it's a nice thing. He's going to give special, he's going to give special care to this poor woman. There's the logos, your corporate logos. It's a very lovely thing. But so what about the millions of people that can't get in front of President Biden during a town hall? What are they going to do? What about the rest of them? 
who can't get in front of Uncle Joe, can't get their kids with pre-existing conditions up, up the list. So I'm sorry. Oh, and CNN played that over and over and over again. Because that's what they do. They manufacture consent. So you look over here at how kind he is. Oh, my God. You know, we're going to show you a clip where he's talking to that kid. It's okay, honey. It's going to be okay, honey. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm empathetic. Oh, health care for you during a deadly pandemic? No, 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 we're not going to do that. Oh, canceling your debt during a deadly pandemic? No, no, we're not going to do that. Oh, uh, a Green New Deal? <laughs> we're not going to do that. Oh, actually canceling the rent? No, 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 but we'll put a Band-Aid on it. We'll just prevent them for, we'll just prevent them for a few more months kicking you off in the street or foreclosing on you. But I'll stay after and talk to you, ma'am. This is neoliberalism. This is corporate media. This is manufacturing consent. So, of course, you know, I didn't expect Biden to be like, well, tough shit, lady. Good luck to you. But it's the slobbering. It's the media slobbering. It's shame on the crowd. Oh, he's so great. Come on, man. Let's move on to the other part here that was really something, really something. Uh, as we've been talking about, the coronavirus is very real and very scary, and it's especially scary for children who may or may not understand. My children, Layla, eight here, and my son, Mateo, seven at home, um, often ask if they will catch COVID, and if they do, will they die? Um, they are watching as others get the vaccine, and they would like to know when will kids be able to get the vaccine? Well, first of all, honey, what was your first name? Layla. Layla. Layla, beautiful name. First of all, kids don't get the vaccine, get COVID very often. It's un unusual for that to happen. They don't, they, and the evidence so far is children aren't the people most likely to get COVID, number one. Number two, the, we haven't even done tests yet on children as to whether or not the certain vaccines would work or not work or what is needed. So that's so you you're, you're the safest group of people in the whole world. Number one. Number two, you're not likely to be able to be exposed to something and spread it to mommy or daddy. And it's not likely mommy and daddy are able to spread it to you either. So I wouldn't worry about it, baby. I promise you. Good God. So. All right. I don't want to be just gratuitous here. I don't want to just criticize him to criticize him. So I will say it's a child. You know, I'm not going to criticize him to saying, oh, baby, oh, honey, ba 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 ba. Although we do know Biden has a penchant for sniffing their hair. So I'm glad that that child was not in hair sniffing distance of the president. But I mean, on the facts, he just fed significant misinformation to, the na to a national audience, but that didn't really get much attention because he said, oh, it's okay, baby. It's going to be okay, baby. It's going to be okay, honey. As uh, Walker Bragman pointed out, let me show up his thread. Uh, this is so f***ed up. Biden is just spreading outright misinformation about COVID. A recent study from the ONS 
found that kids aged 12 to 16 were seven times as likely as those, as those older than 17 to be the first case in their household, and children ages 2 to 16 were twice as likely as those over the age of 17 to spread the virus to family members. A recent Princeton study, which surveyed more than half a million people in India, found children and young adults to make up one-third of COVID cases and be keys to transmitting the virus. Another recent study found that children could be super spreaders because they are often asymptomatic and carry high viral loads. Now, I mean, devil's advocate, maybe Joe, who, you know, you all know my thoughts on, you know, his mental capacity. Um, maybe he just forgot that. So I'm not saying he should have said to that young young lady there, hey, be careful because you can die. Obviously, you don't want to unsettle the kid or the mother. I, I'm all for, you know, softer language uh, to soothe a child. But you're also kind of giving the wrong information. And, you know, the media crucified Trump for playing down COVID, giving the wrong information. I will say Biden and his administration have been a thousand percent better on that end. They are not as incompetent as Trump and his administration, but let's call it what it is. You just told the kid and the national audience the wrong information. Children can spread the virus. Frankly, I don't even think we know 100% how, um, how, at what rates kids could get the virus because kids have largely been at home for a year. The majority of children have not went back to school all across the country. uh, Many have, but a lot haven't. So they haven't had exposure to see if they could easily contract it, to see how contagious they can be, to see how often they could spread it. So he just fed straight up disinformation. No other way around it. Now I want to move on to what I think was the worst, the worst thing he said. And it was a whole bunch of things in one answer. Uh, Let me play this real quick. The thing we haven't talked about, and I'm not going to go on because I want to hear your question. I apologize. We haven't talked about, I remember you and I talking during the campaign and you had the former guy saying that, well, you know, uh, we just going to open things up and that's all we need to do. And we said, no, you got to deal with the disease before you deal with, the, with getting the economy going. Well, the fact is that the economy now has to be dealt with. And what is it? Look at all the people. You have over 10 million people unemployed. We need unemployment insurance. So I'm going to stop and start a couple times. No, we don't need unemployment insurance. Countries that are saying don't do unemployment insurance. They don't dump millions of people on unemployment insurance. You know what the UK is doing? You know what France is doing? You know what Australia is doing? What Canada is doing? And many other countries way, way less wealthy than us. You know what they're doing? Their government is just keeping people on the payroll by covering the payrolls. We print money for war in the United Corporations of America. By the way, did I tell you we live in the United Corporations of America? We print money for war. We print money for tax cuts for the rich. We print money for subsidies to Goldman Sachs, subsidies to Pfizer, subsidies to Raytheon, subsidies to Silicon Valley. So we have plenty of money where the federal government, and it's bipartisan, by the way, Trump could have done this. He didn't. He would have been reelected, by the way, if he did do this. Could have just said, we're just going to pay small business, uh, small business payroll. 
we're going to cover, uh, you know, big corporations that can't afford it because not all corporations are Facebook. Um, they could easily do that and not have this economic hunger game system, which is unemployment. Because if you get eligible for unemployment, number one, and you know this if you're watching and have, and have suffered, uh, you're not getting unemployment right away. Secondly, secondly, unemployment, it keeps, uh, it, it only stays right now. The deadline is March. Do you think this crisis is going to be over in March? So there's no reason that we have to have unemployment. I'm not saying let's toss it away with nothing else, but everybody could have been kept in their jobs with the government covering the payrolls. We have the money. It's called modern monetary theory. It's a choice. It is a choice not to do it, UBI, whatever you want to call it. It's a choice not to do it. And you want to know why he doesn't want to do it? Talk to his Wall Street donors. They won't let him. That's why. But let's continue on this. Really, he said a lot of things in this answer that were quite illuminating. For 40% of the children in America are talk about food shortage. 60% of it. Did you ever think you'd see a day in Milwaukee? You'd see in the last six months people lining up in their automobiles for an hour or for as far as you could see to get a bag of food? What? I mean, this is the United States of America, for God's sake. We can't deal with that. We promised, look at all the people who are on the verge of being kicked out of their apartments because they cannot afford, they cannot afford the rent. What happens when that happens? Everything, look at all the mom and pop landlords that are in real trouble if we don't subsidize this in the meantime. Look at all the people who are on the verge of missing and how many people have missed their last two mortgage payments and are able to be foreclosed. And that's why I took executive action to say they cannot be foreclosed on in the meantime, because look at what the impact on the economy would be. Did you hear what he said? They cannot be foreclosed on in the meantime. They cannot be foreclosed on in the meantime. Let me repeat that for those of you in the back. He's saying, I took executive action so that they can't be foreclosed on now. Am I going to do anything to make sure once the pandemic is over? Am I, am I going to do anything then to make sure they're not foreclosed on? Am I going to do anything after the pandemic is over to make sure that all these people who have not been able to pay their rent for two months, three months, six months, however long you're behind, am I going to do anything to make sure they're not made homeless? Nope. And he could look to his BFF, President Obama, for that. Because Obama, he let millions of people, he let the banks take millions of people's homes through no fault of their own. So he's just, he's talking like he's taking bold action by having a temporary foreclosure moratorium, a temporary eviction moratorium. Did Anderson Cooper ask him a follow-up? Uh, Mr. President, what happens when the moratorium ends? What happens when the pandemic is over? How are those working class people going to pay $7,000 in back rent? $10,000 in back rent? $15,000 behind in their mortgage? What are you going to do for them? A 50-year pay payment plan? We know Wall Street wants their money. And oh, by the way, looks, look at what he had to say on student loans. Loans are crushing my family, friends, and fellow Americans. Me too. 
<laughs> the American dream is to kidding. succeed, but how can we fulfill that dream when debt is many people's only option for a degree? We need student loan forgiveness beyond the potential $10,000 your administration has proposed. We need at least a $50,000 minimum. What will you do to make that happen? I will not make that happen. It depends on whether or not you go to a private university or a public university. It depends on the idea that I say to a community, I'm going to forgive the debt, the billions of dollars of debt for people who have gone to Harvard and Yale and Penn and schools, my children. I went to a great school. I went to a state school. Um, but is that going to be forgiven rather than use that money to provide for early education for young uh, children who are come from disadvantaged circumstances? But here's what I think. I think everyone, and I've been proposing this for four years, everyone should be able to go to community college for free. For free. That's... That costs $9 billion, and we should pay for it. And the tax policies we have now, we should be able to pay for it. You spend almost that money as a break for people who own racehorses. And I think any family making under $125,000 whose kids go to a state university they get into, that should be free as well. So let me get something straight. You can cancel $10,000 that's what he says by executive order. You can't add 40,000 to that. That's no good. 10,000, okay. That is what we call doing what my Wall Street donors will allow me. And let me explain why it's the Wall Street donors. You know how Wall Street owned this house of cards in 2008? They owned all these mortgages. Well, guess what? That were packed together, these mortgages? Well, they also own packed pack together student loans. A lot of Wall Street banks are heavily, heavily in debt and own those student loan debts. You think they're going to allow their employee, Joe Biden, forgive up to $50,000 in student loan debt? By the way, I don't want to poo-poo 50000 either, but let's just be clear. 50000 is not the average student loan debt. It's, it's significantly higher. So 50000 it's a good thing. It would give a little relief. But if you got 150, 200000 are you really sleeping so much better tonight? If you got 50000 when you still have another 75000 to go? I mean, come on. So, and you, know, you see how firmly he responded? No, I will not. No, I will not cancel $50,000 of student loan debt. But I will allow future students to go to a community school for free. But I will allow people under making under 125000 to go for free. That's a good start, but it doesn't help our lost generation of not just millennials, but there are people in their 40s, 50s still with 100000 150000 student loan debt. They cannot live their fullest lives. They cannot take risks, become entrepreneurs, because they're strangled to death economically by the straddle of these student loan debts. Biden could act. I, you know, if you, if you do the research, plenty of lawyers have said, you could cancel all the debt. Snap of your finger. He won't do it because Wall Street won't let him. Now, let's continue on with this answer, because he said something that I thought was just bonkers. 
Talk about food shortage, 60 percent of it. Did you ever think you'd see a day in Milwaukee? You'd see in the last six months people lining up in their automobiles for an hour or for as far as you could see to get a bag of food. What? I mean, this is the United States of America, for God's sake. We can't deal with that. We promised to look at all the people who are on the verge of being kicked out of their apartments because they cannot afford, they cannot afford the rent. What happens when that happens? Everything. Look at all the mom and pop landlords that are in real trouble if we don't subsidize this in the meantime. Look at all the people who are on the verge of missing and how many people have missed their last two mortgage payments and are able to be foreclosed. And that's why I took executive action to say they cannot be foreclosed on in the meantime. Because look at what the impact on the economy would be. You think it's bad now. Let all that happen. Look at all the people who have lost their insurance. How many, I'm not asking for a show of hands, how many of you had jobs with co corporations or companies that provided health care, the COBRA health care? Well, guess what? The company goes under, and guess what? You lose your health insurance. Well, we should be making sure you're able to pay for that so that we keep people moving. If you understood that jumbled mess, he literally just stated something that was obviously bad. He just said, you know, think about all the employees that lost their health insurance because their health care came from their jobs. Literally an advertisement for why you shouldn't have health care tied to employment. He literally just said it without, without even realizing it. Look at all these people. Millions of people have lost their health care because they had it from their jobs. But then in the same statement says, I, I don't know, he must have had a brain fart because obviously his... There's some issues there with his brain. He says, you know, Cobra health insurance, you know, we got to help them pay for that. Why? Why do you have to help them pay for that? Why should they pay for that at all? Anderson Cooper didn't ask him.